I did uh, two and a half years on my last one. It got easier in some aspects of when you're in there, you know the rules, you know what to abide by, but then it was hard because you're fighting your addiction as well as trying to fight, you know, your relationship battles, whether it be with your mum or your dad or your son, you know. It's just that mindset of, you know, you think the whole world's against you. And I was really lucky the last time. I guess it changed as well because my headspace was changed. My name is Teresa Hudson and I'm the coordinator of the Community Information Centre. Today's guest on Brave is Kirsty. Kirsty has experienced firsthand the problems of the correction system and everything that comes with it. Because of mistakes that were made, Kirsty has seen herself in and out of the system. But she's worked hard to turn that around, beat the cycle of drug dependence, reclaim the custody of her son and move forward with her productive life. Kirsty is a prime example of someone who has utilised services and supports in our community to get back their life. The CIC acknowledges the Wargarugaba and Bindal people as the traditional custodians of the lands where this podcast was recorded. We pay respect to the elders' past, present, and future. So, Kirsty, let's start with you. Yep. <laughs> Tell me a bit about your story. Um, so, I grew up in Melbourne. Um, my parents moved up here in about 2009 and I came with them, stayed in Cairns for a few years, um, bought a business, got into a bit of trouble there, um, did some jail time obviously um, for that and when I got out I just found it impossible to get a job, you know. Yeah. And Sorry, how long did you, were you in jail for? Uh, six months was my first time. What was that like? Um, it was um, very scary. Yeah, like? <laughs> um, I was... Oh, when I first went in, I was about four months pregnant. Um, so I did pretty much my whole pregnancy in there. Oh, wow. Um, and, yeah, it was very um, – it opened my eyes a lot. Um, I hadn't been into that sort of world or scene. And then when I got out, all my old friends didn't really want to know me. Um, and then the business that I owned was fairly well-known, so therefore – trying to get a job was really difficult and obviously a newborn baby and stuff. So the business was now gone? Yeah, yeah. I had to hand that back to – it was a franchise system, um, so it got handed back to head office. So you had to start again from scratch? Literally from scratch. <laughs> so um, so six months in? Yep, that was my first time. Um, and then when I got out, I had to find a whole new group of friends Obviously, just being six months in jail, I met people there um, and soon it was just like a snowball effect, you know. It just took me away and I got into selling drugs and using drugs and, yeah. And then so in jail you were exposed? Not so much to the drugs but to the people. Um, And I guess at that time I was that down that I sort of felt like these were my only chance to make new friends. Um, And I guess like your self-esteem goes down as well. So therefore your value of what you expect in life goes down as well. So even though deep down I knew they weren't real friends, it was the comfort of it, if that makes 
So what were experiences like for you in that first six months? Um, I was very lucky um, for the simple fact um, when I first went in there, the majority of the women in there were your Torres Strait Island ladies and things like that. And they're very maternal. So I was very lucky in that sense. They sort of took me under their wing. Um, But it is just survival. You know, if you go in there and you know no one and you're not used to that scene, it's very confronting. And, you know, there's social rules that you just don't know about, you know. So when I got in there and I knew no one and knew nothing about that, I was very lucky to have those women who took me under their wing to sort of say, no, you don't do this and you don't speak to these people. And, you know, but if you don't have that, it's very, very overwhelming. So when you come out of jail, um, you would have been almost due to have bub by then? Yeah. So I um, went back down to Melbourne um, and I had my son uh, three weeks after I got out. Um, and then I only lasted down there a couple of months before I came up, um, mainly because of the cold. <laughs> um, and and you said you then got into the drug life. Yeah. So what did that spiral out for you? Um, oh, it. I lost everything. Like I lost every family member, every good friend I actually had. I lost custody of my son. Um, I yeah, I literally lost everything. Did you get caught again? Yeah, um, I I had been to jail now five times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are they all drug related? Pretty much, yeah. Each time you went into jail, did it get easier or harder? Um, it got easier in some aspects of, you know, it's sort of like when you're in there, you know the rules, you know what to abide by, you, you know, you've got that structure that routine in your life um but then also at the same time it was hard because you're fighting your addiction as well as trying to fight you know your relationship battles whether it be with your mum or your dad or your son you know um I did uh two and a half years on my last one and it was the time before that when I got out I didn't have custody of my son I'd lost custody of him at that stage so when I got out it was just a battle of knowing he was right around the corner but I couldn't go see him, you know, and then I didn't have anything worth getting clean for, you know. I was fighting child safety instead of working with them and it's like it's just that mindset of, you know, you think the whole world's against you where child safety don't necessarily want to take your kids from you, you know. Their end result is to, to reunify you with your, your kids and I was really lucky the last time. I got a really awesome CSO and... I guess it changed as well because my headspace was changed. Was there anything pivotal for you um, through that process where you went, you know what, this is it, enough's enough? So when I went to jail the last time, um, there was an officer there and she just turned around to me and she was like, Kirsty, do you want your son to get to the age where he knows what's going on? And he thinks, my mum chose drugs over me. And even today, like every day that her voice is in the back of my head and she constantly, you know, I hear that. But it was just such a big turnaround to say, God, you know, when you put it like that, wow, you know, my son's growing up in a foster home and, you know, I can't see him exactly when I want. So it just was a turning point for me and I was just like, you know what, yeah, something needs to change because this is my fifth time in here. So it's – you've got to want to do it and you've got to – have something to work for and 
getting custody of my son back while I was in there was the best thing that could have happened. So what was the process like then? Journeying <laughs> out of yeah, journeying out of jail, changing yourself and changing your ways, but then also making those adjustments to bring him back in your life. What like talking um, through all of that? Because that doesn't happen overnight. No, no. I um I did absolutely every course that was possible in the jail. I worked with the counsellors, the GM. They helped me get legal aid fast. And it it was a lot of work, especially when you're going up against the department. Um, everyone knows that. So did you start this fight while you were still yeah. doing your time in jail? Yeah, yep. I started I about... I say fight. Was it a fight or yeah. was it a journey? <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a big fight. Um, yeah. You know, and it's so hard when you're in there. It's not like you can just pick up the phone and call any number, you know. You've only got allocated numbers on your phone. Even to try and, like, I had been in there nine months and I had been calling every single day to try and get a visit with my son and nine months and still nothing had happened. Um, He'd been put with my mum and then all of a sudden I got taken over to the office and my mum had passed away. So I had no idea where my son was. Um, So... The general manager and the counsellors, we tried to call child safety to find out an answer and they ignored us for 10 days straight. So then by the time we got on the phone to them, um, she thought it wasn't her job to tell me that my mum had passed away and that my son was going to be staying with my sister. So then my mindset was like, well, why can't he come here to me in a, you know, it's a monitored environment, you know, it's a very safe environment. Um, It's low custody. The daycare bus comes and picks him up every day, you know. And, yeah, child safety just kept telling me, no, no, we're, we're going for 18 years on him. And, yeah, that was just uh, – I was just sat there and I was just gobsmacked, you know. Like how – you know, yes, my parenting hasn't been the best. I've battled with addiction, but it can't be that bad, you know. And then it sort of all just sank to me, you know. I've, I've been fighting with my mum for the past five years. She's now passed away. My son is where, God knows, you know, Um, and the prison just backed me 110% between Sisters Inside, Red Cross and the prison. Um, I had my son within four weeks. So he came into us and hasn't left my care since. (laughs) That's awesome. So he spent some time with you. In there. So what was life like then having your boy with you? Amazing, amazing. Um, And it was good because... I wasn't ready to get out. You know, they've, they've got this saying that it takes 18 months for your neurons to retrain. So whether that be you cope by eating junk food or, you know, it takes 18 months and that was my mindset. I need to do at least 18 months before I can be out with the temptation, you know. Um, so it was really good. He came in and I worked on myself as well as built my relationship back with him and you know he didn't know where we were he still to this day has no idea where we were he just thinks that mummy and her friends were working because obviously we're all in the same uniform um yeah and we just call it the resort and remember when we stayed at that resort and he's like yeah and everyone wears blue yeah that's the place you know (laughs) and it's good you know it's he looks at police officers and correction officers and there's no scared there's no oh you know you're a bad person or anything he knows that you know if anything goes wrong you call the police that's 
what you're brought up with knowing, you know? Mm. So, yeah, it's taught us both a lot. That's so cool having your son in prison with you. Yeah, yeah. It I've was heard awesome. of that before, but I've never <laughs> I've never been able to meet someone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was awesome. And just it gave me the chance to be a mum again and to work on our relationship with nothing you know it's it's hard to repair a relationship when you're only showing up for an hour visit twice a week it's impossible to do Mm. um so yeah i was very lucky do you plan on telling him one day that that place when we used to go to work in the blue uniform (laughs) was um this is mummy's story yeah um I'm still on the fence about that. Um, I think when he becomes old enough to understand, um, it would be a great thing to talk to him about for simple things of like, we all make mistakes. Um, but yeah, not at the moment. <laughs> yeah, he's little. Still. Yeah. But when he's old enough, um, I would like to have that open conversation with him. Yeah. Because you know what? He's going to look at that and go, holy crap, mum. Yeah. <laughs> look how far you've come. Yeah, exactly. And, and be able to share that proud, yeah. you know, milestones with you. Yeah. Because that by that stage, it's going to be, you know, 10 years. Yeah. And then 15 years. Yeah. Can you tell me what a day or a week in prison is like? Because we've all watched Oranges and New Black, right? Yeah. yeah. It's sort of not <laughs> like that. Um, it's the best way to explain it really is um, like a boarding school for females. Um, and we all know what females can be like sometimes, you know, yeah. they're very territorial. And when you first get in there, you um, go to Secure. Um, so it's just like, it's like what you see when the news chosen, you know, big room with all the little cells off it um after that you go out to residential which is um like six rooms all in one little unit um but then out at the farm it's like you know when you go to the caravan park and there's all the dongers yeah it's just like that so it's just like you've got six women into one house um and yeah it's and you have to, you mentioned before about working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got to work. Um, well, you don't have to. Out at the farm, you have to work. Um, but over at the centre, you don't necessarily have to work, but it's good to work. Do you get to choose what work you do? Not necessarily. Um, you put in an employment form um, and then either linen shop, the kitchen, parks and gardens, they'll hire you. Um, and then you go up on incentive levels as well. So, you know, you've got your weekly buyout where you can buy like chocolate, lollies, deodorant, things like that. Um, if you've got a job, you go up to silver, you know, it goes up to what you can spend each week as well. Yeah. So it's always good. And it beats sitting around playing cards all day, every day. Solitaires <laughs> yes. boring after a while. <laughs> yeah. So what job did you have? Um, I started off at the kitchen. Um, then I went over to the farm and no, I went into linen shop. Then I went over to the farm and I was peer support worker. So I used to go from the farm over to the center every day and help people with like their bail applications, um, get in contact with child safety, um, show cause letters, um, and things like that. So, and was that on your last? Yeah. Yep. What do you call it? Last stint? Last trip? Yeah. yeah. Last <laughs> sentence? Last sentence? Yeah. 
on your first sentence yeah did you work or yeah i was the kitchen yeah yeah Yeah. so with every time you went in you were contributing oh always yeah yeah and study you you've got to just keep busy while you're in there so do they offer courses in there or yep. what does that look like or what's the variety of that like? So they've got your yeah, Cert 2 in business, Cert 2 in hospitality. They do your first aid. Um, Red Cross actually come in and do like your mental health first aid. Um, so that was really good. Um, yeah, a variety of things. I think at the moment they're doing a Cert 2 in fitness as well there. Um, yeah, so it's a big range of things, yeah. And that's opt-in as well. You can yeah. choose to do that. yeah. You mentioned Sisters Inside and Red Cross. What role did they play? Oh, massive. Um, So Sisters Inside have a program called Next Step Home. So it allows people to obtain rental properties when they're in jail for them to come out to, which for a lot of women, um, parole is something that you have to apply for and you have to apply with an address. So for the women that are applying for parole, it's impossible. You can't do that. Um, so the Next Step Home program allows sisters inside to obtain a rental property. Um, they have it for 12 months and then after the 12 months, if everything's good, then they sign the lease over to your name and you get a rental history and you've got somewhere clean to go out to. But there's so many gaps in the system. That's where people fall through and then back onto the rat wheel, don't they? Exactly right. Exactly right. Yep. And Red Cross, what role did they play? Yeah, so I did the course um, uh, Sisters for Change in there. Um, So they basically work as a middleman between the prisoners and the officers. Um, And Red Cross, I've been volunteering with them pretty much since I've been out. Um, And Rachel from Red Cross has just been amazing. She pushes me to do what she can see I'm capable of. You know, and there's no judgment, there's no nothing. She just, yep, this is what you can do. I know you can do it. Here you go. (laughs) Um, And it's given me the opportunity to start giving back, you know, and for a good cause as well. Like Red Cross is amazing. They're huge. (laughs) They are. They are huge and they're very important in the community. Quinn is another organisation in our community. What role did they play for you? Um, Massive. Um, I did my counselling through Quinn. Um, and I've volunteered there a few times. Um, and what services do they provide? So they um, provide substance abuse counselling as well as courses. They do everything from harm reduction to awareness. Um, their sort of thing is, okay, we know people are going to use. We can't completely stop that, but can we provide them a safe way to do so? Um, and they're non-judgmental, um, the counsellor there is absolutely awesome. I've never met someone who knows more about the human brain than him. The Changing Habits is amazing. And it is probably the best course that I've ever done throughout that jail. And I've done, I think there's like 79 courses in total that I've done at that jail. <laughs> and Family Intervention and Churches of Christ. Yeah, they are awesome. Um, so when you're under a child safety order, um, child safety also give you a family intervention support worker. And they, I only just got my license back. So for the past year, it's been a bit of a struggle trying to get um, to and from school and appointments. And nearly every single day they helped me. Yeah, they were absolutely awesome. Yeah, I don't have a bad word to say about them. (laughs) So good. And you've just mentioned a whole lot of support that's wrapped around you. 
Oh, that's yeah. got you there. So it just goes to show that it's not a journey that you can take on your own or no. you should have to take on your own or you don't have to take no. on your own. And I think for years um, that was my main problem. I didn't want to ask for help. Um, and, yes, I sort of knew all these resources but I just didn't have it in me to ask for the help. And now – Because would, would asking for help be – either highlighting that there was a problem yeah yes and I think at that point I wasn't ready to admit that I had a problem you know as much as deep down I knew that I had a problem it was the blame blame game you know or my son's father you know he broke my heart or um, I got done for the business fraud so then you know and this and that and my family doesn't want to know me where the truth is you've just got to own it yeah, I did some really bad stuff. Um, I sold drugs to people knowing that it was their last few cents, you know, and that they had kids. Like there are things that you've got to admit that you've done to be able to move on from it. Um, and I think a lot of people who use drugs, they know the bad stuff, but they use the drugs to block that out where you're not going to heal from it if you don't feel it you're not going to realise you can do better. And that's that's the main thing It's just accepting what you've done, you know, and try and right your wrongs, you know. It's just life. Yeah. And don't do it alone. <laughs> and you can't do it alone. Like there is no possible way to do it by yourself. Like you cannot fight the system by yourself. You can't fight addiction by yourself. And you've got to use those resources. They're there for a reason. Like... We care. I don't know if you've heard mm, of We Care. I yep. do. Yep. Um, so for a while, my child safety officer would always say to me, "Kirsty, just you know, you haven't got family up here, you know, because when I first came out of custody, I didn't want to meet anyone, like friend wise. I didn't have any friends, and my child safety officer was like, Kirsty, you know, We Care, blah 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 blah.' And I just thought it was like, you know, a foster family who just opened their home to people, you know, and. It wasn't until my phys worker um, took me out there and I saw the place and I was like, oh, my Lord. And I had to go back to my CSO and say, look, I'm so sorry <laughs> that I judged you for all these months. But it's amazing. And it's a free service there for people who don't have that family support, you know. And it's good. Like I do, I put him in there roughly about once a month um, just for a night Um and he loves it. You know, there's other kids, there's iPads, there's big playgrounds. I know that he's getting looked after. I don't have to sit there and be like, oh, you know, is he going to be okay? I can actually clean my house, you know, <laughs> without the worry. Or, you know, I can go down the strand for coffee. And it's it's all about giving people that break that they need. And yeah, it's free. That's and right. And it's there. <laughs> and it's about that quality time you spend with your child too, not the quantity of time. And having that yeah. break to reset is so important. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what, what's it like getting employment for you now? Do you have a job? I do. I have just um, partnered up with a man who he does hair replacement. So I've taken over the front end of the salon and that's sort of where we're trying to go with the business at the moment. So, yeah. It's... That's really good. Because did you find it hard to get a job coming yeah. out? I um, I applied for a few jobs and the question always comes up at the end. You know, if we do a criminal history check, will anything come up? 
Um, and I'm always very honest about that. And basically it's the whole, oh, okay, we'll be in touch. But they're never in touch. <laughs> um, so I was really lucky and we've got a good little thing going at the moment. Yeah. So it almost had to be that you had to do something for yourself. Yeah. To get yeah. work because it wasn't. Yeah. And of course because of COVID, you know, COVID has made a lot of things, you know, jobs aren't as, there's not a lot of mm. them at the moment. So, And I suppose, would you have to be careful what environment you put yourself in that you don't um, expose yourself to be re-triggering yourself? Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of work with um, Red Cross and Sisters Inside. I haven't found it so much triggering. Um, I love it. I love support work. Um, that's sort of what I want to get into. Mm. Um, so I've been studying criminology at the moment um, and hopefully – Red Cross or Sisters Inside will hire me one day. Um, but, yeah, that's that's where I want to be is the support work. So, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, amazing in itself trying to juggle parenthood, study and work. But it's kind of good. So we know an hour every night, an hour before dinner, we sit down, he does his homework and I do my work. So it's kind of worked out good. <laughs> You're in a really good place now. Yeah, definitely. What's yep. your relationship like with family now and what's your friendship base like? Awesome, awesome. Um, took my dad about seven months after I got out um, before he would talk to me again. Um, and since then, his par- him and his partner have been married. I talk to my stepmom almost every day on the phone um and my friends are awesome um a couple of them you got a whole new friendship base um yeah sort of um a couple of them are from jail um but they're doing the right thing and it's just so good to be around those sort of people that do want to better better themselves you know and again you can't do it alone you have to have people around you to help you do it like it's and I can't stress that enough to people you just cannot do it by yourself you you have to surround yourself with people who want to do it as well Mm. future (laughs) what's the future for you like um my future I want to get into support work I sisters inside have sort of taken over the housing sort of thing um my goal is to be able to provide People coming out of jail with a job. We're working on something at the moment. You know, they offer cert to in hospitality there. So why can we not get McDonald's or Coffee Club on board where they take these women on for, say, you know, six weeks? Yes, they're going to know that they've got a criminal history, but it's also opening the door for them to have a change. So this is our project that we're trying to do at the moment is find a company that will take on these women even if it's just a trial, you know, it's getting them back into that confidence of applying for a job. And yes, you've got a criminal history, but that doesn't stop you from ever getting a job. And being a part of that, um, championing that change for that person too. Yeah. Like I said, you've had some people that believed in you along the way that have stepped you along that way. And it's if those people didn't believe in taking you along your journey... God knows where I'd be, (laughs) you know, like right from day dot, you know, um, Sisters Inside would come to every child safety visit with me. And after every visit, you know, Kirsty, he's still here. He's still with you. You're doing a great job. You know, you just got to keep up the good work. They did everything possible to help me maintain that confidence 
So, and a lot, that's what a lot of people in drug addiction don't have is their confidence, you know? So if we can... Because they're relying on the drugs to be confident. Yeah, yeah. So if we can provide them some sort of way where, you know, sisters inside can do the housing and we can get them into work, I think that would be a very good break of the system. Mm. Yeah. It, it, you're right in being a gap in the system. I We've had uh, people attend the Community Information Centre who have been released that morning yep. into nothing. And they've and just dropped off. They come in to make to use a phone, to make a phone call, to yep. be able to try and get hold of their parents or, you know, whatever that is. And they go, oh, you know what, they'll yep. be back in by tomorrow because they're going to need to survive and they'll just go and re-offend. So exactly right. So you're right in being a gap within our system on how do we get these people off the rat wheel. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's literally as simple as that. Like if you're not on parole or anything, you're lucky actually if you get dropped in town. Um, usually it's just you go through reception, they hand you all your stuff back and they can call you a cab. But then nine times out of ten, most people don't even have money for a cab. And it's it's, it's sort of heartbreaking because – the government's expecting people to change, but just providing them with courses while they're in custody isn't going to make that change, you know? like You need to deal with the whole psychological yeah. reason they got in there in the first yeah. place, don't they? Exactly, yeah. And you mentioned counselling. Yeah. Um, did that help you unpack what got a you lot. there in the first place? Yeah, a lot. My nan, me and my nan were very close. Um, my nan lived with us our whole life um, and my parents both worked full-time. So my nan was my mum and she was my best friend. When she passed away, I didn't deal with it. And that, when I got talking in my counselling sessions, it was sort of, it just kept going back to that point in my life where I was, I didn't know how to cope. And I was holding on to my pride too much to ask for help. And I was with my son's father at that time. And I look back now and I think, why did I not just ask him for help? You know, why did I not just talk to him and explain to him why I was feeling why why I was? And everything in my counselling just kept going back to that. You know, it was that time in my life where... It was like Nan died and then that was it. I just shut everything out. I shut everyone out and, yes, I bought my business, but then I just turned into this cold person where I just had no care about anyone else's feelings and even my son's father, you know, I he would beg me and beg me, you know, just talk to me and I'd just be like, no, nah, you know. And now I look back and I think if I'd only just opened up then, I might not be where I am now. But then it's kind of like, well, if I didn't, if that all didn't happen, I wouldn't have the relationship I have with my son. I wouldn't be in the headspace I'm in at the moment. Um, the yeah. sliding doors moment, isn't it? Yeah. And like I, me and my dad, you know, we were always close, but now it's even better. You know, he, he understands what's happened. I understand why it's happened and, you know, why he wiped me. But it's better than ever. You know, it's, yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's so good. So, yeah, I look back at it and I think, yes, I've pretty much wasted the past five years, but the last two and a half is what I needed. 
I needed that time away to work on myself and realize that this isn't the life I want to live you know I don't want to be a 50 year old drug dealer going in and out of jail and then my son following those footsteps like it's not a life I want to live and the only way to change that is to become clean but again you can't do it by yourself (laughs) you have to use those resources and there's so many like you know, it's okay to have that jail mentality of, oh, you know, don't talk to the screws and this and that. Again, they're another resource. While you're in there, they are your resource for the outside world. Like, you know, you want something done, treat them with respect and they're going give it, to give it back. You know, they're not there to make your life harder. 90% of them are there just doing their job and they want to see you better than yourself. And it's just like a bank, bank worker, you know, it's their job you know don't harass them because you know they're doing their job yeah ticket people in the street you know people put parking tickets on it's just their job like it doesn't make them a bad person like yeah thank you Kirsty. that's okay (laughs) that's a really lovely story to share i just hope someone hears it and inspired yeah it is pretty cool. You've come a long way. Yeah, yeah. You should I'd be really t- proud of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am, I am. Yeah, that's a really inspiring story. Yeah. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien LaWarden.